So we're back again this week talking with Sarah uh, from MTUG. We talked about, if you listened to the episode last week, we talked about how being transgender is not in itself an illness, but many transgender people deal with physical and mental health problems because of widespread discrimination and stigma. Um, So I wanted to kind of start off this episode with you talking about maybe some of the stats about trans folks and mental illness and kind of their intersection. What can you tell us about that? Sure. You know, I mean, I, I do think that the, a lot of us uh, do experience different mental health barriers. And, you know, a lot of that is not because we are transgender, right? That is, it is because of the way that society treats trans expansive and transgender people. It is because systems are not built for us. It means that every time you go into a quick trip, you have to pick the boys' bathroom or the girls' bathroom if you need to use the bathroom, right? You have to make those declarations every single day because every single day that you go out in public, you have to make a choice as to what bathroom you're going to use. You have to make a choice as to how you're going to present to the cashier at the Target, right? Like all of these things where systems are not, not built for us. I mean, basic things like healthcare. You know, we are discriminated against when we go in and seek our basic health care. If I go to the a situation that happened to me about three years ago, and y'all can't see me, but I am, a, 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 when you look at my face, I have a beard. I am very male presenting, very masculine presenting. Honestly, if you don't know who I am, you do not know that I am transgender. Unless we are experiencing intimacy, it just doesn't happen right? So I go to the take care clinic and I, I have a sore throat and I'm, I'm in need of some antibiotics. And so the woman gets on the computer and she puts in my social security number like you do. And my old name comes up and my old gender comes up and she's very confused. And she needs me to explain basically my whole life while I'm standing there at the take care clinic, which was inappropriate, right? It's not appropriate for people who are needing services, needing healing, needing needing medical care to have to then explain this whole other aspect of their life when what I was born with between my legs had zero to do with my terrible sore throat. And so these sort of barriers uh, give us the bigger, broader picture of um, not feeling a part of our community, not feeling a part of our society, not feeling wanted or loved on. I mean, every time I hear about these bathroom bills that legislators want to put on our backs that say that, well, if you're a Walmart, you better be using the bathroom that you were assigned to use at birth. I mean, that's preposterous and ridiculous. And so there are all these aggressions, they call microaggressions, that occur every time you have to pick a bathroom that doesn't line up with how you feel about your body. Every time you get on a bus and all the fellows on the back of the bus are hooting and hollering at you because they're not exactly sure how to clock you. I mean, it, you know, it does. It takes a toll on our mental health. And I'm here to tell you, as somebody who was raised in the 70s and 80s, the movies that I watched as a child and as a young person, we're terribly transphobic. I mean, one of my biggest memories as a young person, not even, I wasn't even that young, I was in my 20s, was during Ace Ventura's Pet Detective, when Ace figured out the woman that he made out with happened to be a transgender woman, and he vomited on screen for like five minutes. And the same thing happened in the crying game when that man fell in love with that woman and she happened to have a penis and vomited for like, you know, like that's what I was taught as a transgender person, as a person with a transgender body is that 
uh, people puke when they find out who you really are. And that's, that's, I'm here to tell you that's not true. And I'm tired of that narrative. And that's what feeds into transgender people's uh, gender dysphoria and depression and anxiety and all those things because systems are just not built for us. And so, you know, that, I mean, that's why MTUG exists, right? Because uh, we want to create systems for people. We want to be a support system for people. We want you to be able to come into our building, kind of like how you can come here at this independent center and know that you found your people, right? That folks are not going to judge you or be critical of you for how you are in the world. They're just going to try to meet you where you're at and love you. I think it's important. And bringing that Ace Ventura up, did you watch Disclosure? Um, that documentary by Laverne Cox. It is the best documentary I've ever seen about transgender people, period. It is yes. so good. If Amazing. Anybody, if you, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you uh, don't know anything about the trans community, uh, it is powerful and eye-opening and just very well done. I mean, Laverne Cox just did an amazing job putting that together. And I know there are a lot of people that contributed to that film, but it goes into how media representation really shapes the identity of trans folks in our community and how it is so important for to have representation and accurate representation of people in films and in media and it, it's just really good so I digress but if you if you're listening um, and want to know more about that disclosure the Laverne Cox documentary if you doc, if you google that you will find it and it'll be it's great so I was doing some research kind of leading up to this podcast and getting some stats about mental health and just talking about doctors, talking about the healthcare system as a transgender person. And some of what I found is that transgender people are three times as likely to be prescribed antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications and six times more likely to attempt suicide resulting in hospitalization or death, six times more likely to have a mood disorder or anxiety disorder than the general population. So this population needs our support and needs the support of the healthcare systems, needs those systems to work for them. And and just like Sarah, what you were saying, coming in to get something for your throat and not having to walk through your entire life story with the provider. You know, right. that's, that's so challenging and creates so many barriers and no wonder these statistics are so high for this population. I mean, it makes complete sense when you dig into it a little bit more and understand what's really happening. So I just think that's interesting and, and heartbreaking and, you know, something that should be addressed. And I know it, we're moving in the right direction, but there's so much more work to be done um, for the trans folks out there. And then, and then you put in this whole, this whole issue of discrimination and and mistreatment at work, at school, um, in your families and communities. So just to put some context around this for our listeners, transgender people are more likely to be fired or denied a job, 
face harassment and bullying at school, become homeless, or live in extreme poverty, be evicted or denied housing or access to shelter, be denied access to critical medical care, be incarcerated or targeted by law enforcement, or face abuse and violence. And that all comes from the transequity.org. So if you want to learn more about that, you can look at that. But there's so many compounding factors with this. And so MTUG, let's, let's talk about MTUG. So MTUG is the Metro Trans Umbrella Group. This is the organization that SAYER founded and works with all transgender people, kind of that trans umbrella working at all of these issues. So Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about the people that utilize your service and what are some of the things that they're coming in to see you with, like carrying, what is some of the, the work that they need to do with you? Sure. So we are to my, we're the largest organization around here for sure. We touch, we get people from five or six different surrounding states that seek services from our organization. Our, we have sort of broken down into three categories. We are a nonprofit. We, um, we, our primary focus is support groups. We do social and emotional support groups that are peer led by other transgender people. We have a support group for trans women, for trans men, for non-binary folks, for people who have compounding effects of mental illness and transgender identity. We have a a book support group club. Um, We have a healthy relationships support group. We have a QTPOC for queer trans people of color support group. Um, We have a soothe support group for significant others of trans humans. Um, we've had a few varieties also of other support groups. Those are the ones that are currently functioning now today. We put them online for the pandemic. We're coming back in real life in August. We serve anywhere between 130 and 250 people a month in our support groups. Uh, it has grown exponentially since the pandemic, since we were able to open up online, again, reaching five or six states. Within hundreds of miles of here, really between here in Chicago Uh, And here in Memphis, there's nothing. So we are like an island in the Midwest of support. So the one leg is the social and emotional support. Leg number two is our open hours, our headquarters. We were gifted a home about two, well, three years ago, where we have a brick and mortar place that we have a food pantry, a toiletry pantry, a free clothing closet. We have computers that folks use. It's a lot of things that the independent center uses, but on a much smaller scale. Um, we, we have different funding sources. Uh, we have, um, although we both get money from the Missouri Foundation for Health, which is fantastic. We help people with resumes. We help people with uh, haircuts. We do, we give people phones. We have unhoused support. We have sleeping bags and tents and mace and things like that. We offer, we have a shower at our place, which is helpful to a lot of our folks who don't have safer places to shower. We also do telehealth through Planned Parenthood. So you can come in there and have a medical appointment from telehealth. Our two-year goal is to have a shot clinic as well as blood work being able to done do it our, at our house. We have STI testing in-house twice a month. Um, and then we also do our third leg is events. We do a prom. We do an art show. We do backyard concerts. We do barbecues. We do swimming. We do fun gender euphoric stuff that centers transgender people and transgender bodies in ways that feel good. 
You have to be 18 years or older to use our services and you need to be a trans expansive person. And that's that. Awesome. That's so many services that you guys are offering to the community. It's it, You're doing so much. So I want to ask something, which I think people hear about nonprofit and I think automatically assume you're dealing with low income um, people that don't have resources. And sometimes that's true. You know, sometimes that is true. Is that the case for you? Are you serving kind of a diverse socioeconomic population? Um, Yes. I can tell you that if you look at the largest group of data that we have today, it's out of date. It's from 2015. And it shows pervasive mistreatment and violence, as well as healthcare and uh, social and emotional disparities for transgender adults, period. Transgender people are experiencing liberation. And we know that with marginalized population, with people who are struggling, we struggle financially, emotionally, socially, everything. And so, yes, the, the base population of folks that we're struggling, that we serve are struggling. A lot of us disproportionately have experienced homelessness in our life. 30% of homeless or transgender people have experienced some form of housing, uh, unhoused or homelessness in our lifetime. Um, We skew higher with domestic violence. 41% of us have attempted suicide at some point in our lifetime, which compared to the national average, that's appalling. Um, So yes, a lot of times when we come out as transgender people, we lose our families, we lose our jobs, we lose our apartments because we lost our jobs, we lose our ability to use our old resources and our old resumes and our old jobs because they only knew us as that other person and we don't want that other person around anymore. And so it can be very challenging. And I I, I wanna hold space for the challenging parts of being a transgender person. And that's why in places like MTUG exist, but it's also a place where we experience an enormous amount of joy in being transgender people. Like I love being transgender. I love being surrounded by transgender people. And I recognize that it is, it, it, it can be a really difficult journey, you know? And so that's why we're oh, there. Can. You have to buy your whole new wardrobe. You can come get one from MTUG, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you need to rebuild your resume, we have experts there that can carefully craft your resume to still hold on to some of the skills that you had in your old life without outing you in your job interview. Right. And there's so many layers to it too. I think, you know, trans discrimination is not limited to just the trans community. There's kind of layers within the trans community too. So it's compounded by racial discrimination. And um, I don't know if you want to share any stats about that or just touch on that a little bit more, but but there's definitely kind of like a hierarchy in the trans community. I would say in terms of discrimination. Absolutely. If you look at, if you add compounding effects of discrimination to an identity like trans and you add black and you add disabled or you add, uh, perhaps you have a past with addiction, different things that's going to create outcomes that are harder for you to achieve. Um, So yes, and in particular, Black transgender women are murdered at a disproportionate rate than any other transgender people. And I can tell you as a white transgender man, when I walked into my life, I walked into privilege. I walked into being able to be in the world and like not noticed, blending. Whereas when I was a butch woman walking in the world, I was noticed all the time. 
And so now I'm just like a guy walking down the street. So I've walked into an enormous amount of privilege. But let's look at the flip side of that. If you are a white, uh, white trans woman, you've walked away from white maleness, which is like the ultimate privilege place in this society that we have. And so you, you, I walked into privilege. My white sisters, siblings walk out of privilege. And so it's an interesting way to be in the world from, you know, I've had lots of conversations with folks about how all of a sudden people listen to me and they're like, well, all of a sudden people don't listen to me, you know? And then, yes. And with transgender women in particular, they are our most Black transgender women are our most sacred folks in our community. And the violent murders that my siblings that are Black and trans face, it's, it's appalling. It's horrifying. Um, you know, and I, I, there's a lot of layers to that, too. There's lots of unpacking as to why people have to do things to survive. And then they, they end up being in unsafe situations and all the things and, you know, that that uh, tribute to the average life expectancy of a black transgender woman in the United States, I believe, is like 33 years old. Um, and that, too, is appalling. So and skewing higher with HIV, STIs, all the things, all the things. Um, there is definitely a, a, a privilege order when it comes to being transgender. And, you know, I, I, I feel it, too, for my non-binary siblings who you know, at least at the, at the quick trip, I can pick the boys or the girls bathroom. Right. But non-binary folks, they're very generally are not a gender neutral bathroom. Some places have them that center families and stuff. They have family bathrooms, but I mean, just that just living in the world like that can be a challenge, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's so many small decisions that you have to make every single day. And I think there's, there's kind of like, I feel like there's this pushback from some people out in the world who say, well, if you're going to face so much adversity, why would you do this? And I, I just would be curious what your answer would be to those people Mm -hmm. that ask you this, like you're walking, I mean, for you, you were kind of walking into privilege, but for somebody walking away from it or, or letting that go, what would you reply to someone who asks you that? Sure. Yeah. And I, I do want to qualify it as far as walking into privilege. Absolutely. I did. But in order for me to walk through privilege, I had to be willing to give up everything in my life. Yeah. I had to be okay. To that's give, fair. You know, yeah. Right. Like I, I yeah. had to be like, my mom could reject me. My children could yes. reject me. Hell, DCFS mm-hmm. could tell me that I'm not allowed to be a foster parent anymore. This was 13 years ago. Right. We were the first foster parents that I knew that were transgender you know, I mean, how we trailblazed as lesbians, forget it. Once we were transgender there, I was transgender, like what, you know, so. Yeah. Thank you for qualifying that. I appreciate that. That's a good, that is a good qualification. Yeah. And I had to save myself. I had to save myself. I would, I, sometimes you just have to give up everything for your own self-preservation. And I, um, yeah, you, we sometimes we just have to make hard choices, you know, and I, I was either going to be miserable for my life or I was going to be brave and do something that I knew I needed to do. Um, there's a beautiful poem by Mary Oliver called The Journey. And that is, it, she, she speaks about whispering that you did the only thing that you knew how to do, which was to save your own life. And that's what I think a lot of transgender people choose to do. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it is tough though. It's, it's, um, 
I, it's the best decision that I ever made, but I know I hurt people along the way too, right? Like uh, not intentionally, but I know it was hard on my mom. It was hard on my kids in different ways. You know, they faced bullying because of my life that they wouldn't have faced if they just had uh, a mom <laughs> instead of a transgender dad. And so, um, yeah, that's a complicated question, I think. I think and it's up to each individual human as to what what we're willing to deal with and what we're not, you know? I think it is. It's a complicated answer. And I think, you know, anyone living in a life situation that they're not happy with, that they're not feeling their fullest self faces that same choice as someone in the trans community. It may not be throwing out your entire life, you know, but maybe what if you have a substance use issue and that's your community and you're choosing to walk away from that community, you essentially are doing the same thing as somebody who is stepping into their identity fully. And I think it, it, for some reason, it's not perceived in that same way all of the time, but it is, it's the same. You are living your fullest life, how you want to, and need to, to survive. So I think that's, that's really cool and brave and I'm sure feels so empowering once you're kind of through the, the rough part of it, um, you know, through the transition part of it, I'm sure it's, it's really empowering to now live your life as kind of out and proud and, you know, fully yourself. For sure. It really is. It, it, I mean, it's that whole gender euphoria that many of us get to feel once we really feel lined up with who we are. And it may be not that we're completely lined up. We might, I might not look in the mirror and see exactly who I need and want to see, but it feels good to be in a community around people who just see you and validate you and use the right pronouns and call you by the right name and just use validating language. And, you know, it's, it's, it's life affirming and life changing. This is such a good conversation. I think it's so helpful for somebody listening to understand it a little bit better. So before we end, I have a couple more questions. So how can people learn more about you, about your organization, get involved with MTUG? Sure. Well, we have we have open hours at our headquarters in Benton Park West. You can find us on the internet at Metro Trans Umbrella Group. We update our Facebook page a lot with all the activities that we do. Some of the activities are only open to transgender people, and then other activities are open to everybody. We have the nation's only transgender memorial garden, and every third Saturday of the month, it's over in Benton Park. We just relocated. We go out there and we garden together. Um, we're having a dance on the last Friday of July, and that's going to be super fun. And everybody's welcome to come to our dance. You just have to be cool with trans folks. Um, we're going to have some backyard picnics and some towers of the house. So those are all ways to get involved. And if you are a transgender person, uh, I encourage you to get involved with our support groups and our other other drop-in services that we have. Yeah, and I'll make sure to put all this stuff in the show notes so that anybody listening can go and click on it and just find it straight from there. Um, So before we wrap up, I know this is really focused on transgender experience and not so much about its intersection with. mental illness per, I don't know, it's, it's a little 
complicated. <laughs> but one question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is kind of this question that I've been asking all of our guests. And that is, if you could debunk one myth about mental illness, what would what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Well, the mental illness does not define the person, that we are capable of defining our own selves. As a human who has struggled on my own path, I, mental illness does not define me. It is a part of who I am. It's a way that I navigate in the world, but there's lots of other things that define who I am and who I, who I choose to be in the world. And one of those things happens to be a person that has depression and mental illness. And um, there's so many more facets to who I am as a person. I think that's great. And I just, I so appreciate you taking the time to record these episodes with me. It's, it's so informative. I think it's so important. It's something I just, after meeting you the first time, I knew that I wanted to make sure that we continue to share your messaging, make, make sure that your analogies get out there to more people because it is important. I think, you know, it's, it's something that not a lot of people understand. And it's great just to share that time with you, you know, and, and learn more. All of us can always learn more. We're constant learners and we should be. So I really appreciate it. If you guys listening want to learn more, check out our show notes. We're going to link a bunch of stuff in there that we talked about. Um, so you can go learn on your own. If you want to get connected with Sayer, you know, click MTUG, go to the Facebook page, get involved with what they're doing in the community because it's really cool. And, it, and just as Sayer was saying at the very beginning, finding your community is so essential to your well-being and to your happiness. So, you know, do that. And if you yourself are struggling with a mental illness or a substance use disorder, go to our website, www.independentcenter.org for a list of local and national resources. We have tons of stuff out there. So if you need resources, go to our website and find out more. Um, follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at let's rethink this pod. You can find Sarah on LinkedIn and MTUG um, on Facebook. So search them up. <laughs> follow them, get involved. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say, Sayer? Nope. I just, I appreciate the time and the platform and I'm happy to answer any questions or, um, love on folks. If you want to come to go a tour of the building. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I will talk with you all next week. Have a good rest of your day. Mm-hmm.